is a global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. And today I am super excited because we have my good friend, Jean-Yves Hewart, and he is the founder of Social Workplace, Coworking Europe, and Namida <laughs> Coworking Space, which I probably butchered that too. But Jean-Yves, welcome. And please tell us the various ways we can pronounce your last name. So my last name is, if you want to say it in the Belgian way, is Huart. Mm-hmm. If you want more to put a little more French chic in it, you would say Uvart, mm-hmm. um, but it's normally it's Uvart. It's, it's how you yeah. would properly pronounce it. Yeah. Well, I apologize that I'm using the very Texan Hubert. <laughs> I love it. I love it. As you know, English is not the most beautiful language. <laughs> It's great. And uh, part of my family lives in the U.S., so they have heard a lot of words, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. I bet. So my first question, especially in these times, is always, how are you? I'm good, I think. I I didn't catch the COVID so so far, Um, so I'm pretty okay. And of course, we are all struggling. And it's also exciting because we need to reinvent ourselves all the time. It's like uh, living in a laboratory for the time being and yes of course it's a little bit stressful because we, we wonder what will come what will come next and uh, how we can handle all the you know the struggles other people who are work with are, are going through but yes as as well as we can I would say. Yeah. Well, great. You know, I love the story of how we met. We first met in Austin, Texas, right around South by Southwest at the Coworking Unconference in 2011. And then that summer, I was asked to take it over and I rebranded it. And the first thing I was like, I've got to go attend a co-working conference. So I had just opened my co-working space and I could not believe I was leaving for Europe, but I felt like I had to do it. And I left and I went to co-working Europe in Berlin and to learn from the best, which is you. And I'm so glad I did that because we have been friends ever since. Definitely. At, you know, it's almost a decade now. It's it's crazy uh, how fast things have been and how time time's fly, flies. Yeah. Um, yeah, indeed. But yeah, we were the best maybe, but but we, we were the first. <laughs> we were the best because just we started, you know, in 2010 with the small conference and the conference in Brussels. And um, to our amazement, we had 150 people. We were expecting maybe 50 and say, okay, uh, there was something in the air now that we have to put our finger on the, on the pulse of and yeah and we had this invite from the guys from Berlin and we met Beta House and then we started with the conference and um, yeah I'll never forget that tour of Beta House that was like eye-opening to me Beta House was one of the originals in Berlin and they had like I don't know what was it four stories yeah it was super super it was one of the biggest at the, at the time. Uh, it started only two years before uh, the time mm-hmm. of the conference, and uh, and they're still there. They're they are still um, they are pretty big now in, in Berlin, mm-hmm. and there are a few other spots in uh, in Europe. Uh, but they kept the culture, you know, this this quite of um, you know counterculture kind of of culture that is very Berlin. And Christoph was still very close friends, and uh, it has been quite a, such a great journey and a lot of good friends and very 
very strong friendship. That you yeah, make. that's uh, always the best part about co-working yeah. in the conferences is it's the friends you make. Yeah. So I think it's so interesting, Jean-Yves, and one of the things that I think keeps Juicy out of Europe is it's so complicated and there's so many countries and so many currencies and so many things going on and some places are shutting down and some places aren't and some places are doing really well and some places are doing okay. And I know you've been monitoring it since day one. Um, how is it now? Who's who's doing okay? Who's not? Are you going to Vienna at all for uh, working so eventually you, uh, Everything is locked up. For the moment, so no Vienna physically. Uh, so we will be in Vienna next year. So we just um, uh, postpone everything to to twenty. So the next, the physical conference, if everything goes fine, will be on December 1 and uh, 1st and 2nd in Vienna, same spot, but uh, the rest will be virtual. So we, in in, um, in two weeks' time, so on the 25th, 26th, and 27th, uh, we will have a co-working Europe conference, which will be fully online. So that will be a first for us. And it's a challenge because we're also learning a lot and we try to, you know, and people are also, you know, trying to figure out whether it's worth it. And is it the same? Because, of course, as you know, with Juicy, a big part of why, the reason why you, you you take a ticket and then it's you flight ticket and oh, I stay a few days in the city is because of the connection, physical connection you meet, uh, you, you make uh, during during those those moments. And um, so, how to recreate that is really definitely a big a big challenge. But yeah, we will see. So, as far as the market is concerned, that's. The same story as, as we see everywhere. Maybe Asia is experiencing a different story, but uh, yes, we, we have fewer people in the in the spaces. We have this this time when meeting rooms were booked for people who wanted to work in isolation. You had to, all this first, you know, chapter uh, of okay, we need to put sanitizer everywhere and plexiglasses and you know uh, put put tables away from one another. So now we are in another phase. Um, and yes, we have this second wave. I, I know in the US it has been more, um, it's not like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just a second wave and perennial wave that you have been through uh, since maybe April. Yeah, I don't exactly understand which wave we're on right now, but I think the interesting part in Texas anyway is I guess there hasn't been much talk about shutting down. I think the cases yeah. are exploding, but the deaths are not. So yeah. actually Austin, a lot of people have come back to work. I saw a statistic yesterday that two thirds were back in the office. I've heard Houston is really coming back. So I think we're more like, well, that didn't work the first time. So let's just keep working. Yeah. Yeah, that in, in Europe for the, yeah, it's I would say it's different because according to the country you are in, uh, the, the number of deaths and of course it's slower than the first wave, but still the fear is there. And yeah. um, some countries are very harsh on locking everything uh, everything down. Some others are a little bit less. But overall, for instance, in Greece, they might have one tenth of the contaminations that we have in Belgium, for instance, and they and they sh- they, they have shut everything down. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the same situation as we have here. Just they have less people in the hospital because that's 
They have been um, faster to take measures. The issue we have here, for instance, in the countries such as Belgium, and you see that in the UK and some other places, is that it's very international. You have a lot of people coming in and out all the time. So it's it's not it's the density of population is very very high. So it makes it a little bit harder to to manage. But and of course it has an impact on. Um, so for instance, home working is is uh, mandatory now, uh, unless you can uh, justify that the people have to be in the uh, at the work. So that's, that makes a big difference for co-working space uh, as well. And um, so the, um, things were recovering in the summer and even September, at least from the feedback we were getting. And then the, the second wave have, uh, has hit. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, yeah. But it, of course, now there is also this, this learning that home walking and the Remote working, most mainly, is uh, can work for any kind of company. So there was this, you know, big expectation that after the crisis things will be totally different. So last week, for instance, you have the a big, the biggest telecom operator in, in in Belgium. It's comparable to AT and T and for Belgium, they have one of the biggest towers building in 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 Brussels. The CEO said we are going to get rid of it. Hmm. It's huge, you know. It's huge as, as in terms of statements. It means it means that okay, even companies of this side and of this weight going to such a, a, a radical shift in the way they were figuring out their workplace uh, policy. It's it means that a lot of it's going to happen. And then flexible remote offices, satellite officing, uh, all this, this, those concepts we have been familiar with for all, those, all that long now are coming in the mainstream. And what, what I expect, but of course, uh, we'll have to see whether it, it, it's, it's, it's becoming real, but it's, it's, it's more an issue with a, a bottleneck of offering, of a lack of offering for all yeah. the demand that is coming, that is going to come up uh, rather than you know a scarcity of uh, customers for for flexible yeah, space. Yeah, I think it harkens back to I I quote this all the time. You know, Steve King said in 2011, "You can't build them up fast enough for the demand coming your way." And I believe yeah. that holds true now more than ever. So I love this terminology you used um, earlier when we were talking, and it was how are we going to handle the co-working bonanza? Yeah. Um, because yeah, there aren't enough operators ready to scale at that level. Real estate's not ready for it. Developers aren't ready for it. So in fact, I think you and I, Jean-Yves, will be doing a lot of work educating a lot of people about how to open, operate, and thrive in co-working or flexible work. Yeah, exactly. And and no, there was this trend as well that you see coming up of, okay, as a, as a real estate and property owner, could I handle that myself and manage the service myself? And so you you see new new operator coming in and saying, okay, why do you would you need to partner up with a co-working operator as such? And I think it will be another very interesting trend that we will see in the coming months. And that's something we would like to address, by the way, uh, during the conference. It's it's because co-working operator will have to, to develop on the on the effort of proving that their their added value is not something you can get rid of. 
that's, that's right. simply. And in the same way, you know, there's this, this comparison with hotels that we have been, you know, uh, talking about for quite a while now. And now it's getting more and more real and, and consistent in terms of, of what we see happening in the co-working market. But if you are a property owner, and it doesn't mean that you can put new, new bed sheets every night and handle the the desk uh, at at the front of at the front door of, of your building every day and come up with a smile when people are coming in. This is a job. Yeah, well, I always hearken it back to you know, well, you've seen successful coffee shops, but you're not going into the coffee shop business. Why are you going into the co working business? Yeah. Exactly. You know, exactly. stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, but that's it. That's it. Exactly. But, but this is very a very strong shift that that now is will will also allow things to scale up. And also, you know, these topics that you have been addressing also reduces this um, franchising model that we see mm-hmm. coming up, which again is something you have seen in the hotel industry or even the the, the food industry. And this is coming, you know. Uh, in, in, in the into the discussion of, of mm-hmm. the co-working story, so it means that we will we have to be ready to address things at, you know, at that level more and more because also the, the players are bigger and of course as you as, as you also experience you have been experiencing the US sooner than in Europe or at least continental Europe because the UK is a different uh, mm-hmm. market again they've been ahead for quite a while but you see that now that startups and freelancers have been accommodated the big chunk of the growth is coming from middle-sized SME corporates and you don't address the, the demand and serve this demand the same way that you were able to serve the demand of people a company with five people or freelancer or whoever so you need to come with different standards you have to put things at a high level and also you have to operate at the capacity at capacity level that allows uh, a company with 200 people to be able to deal with you because they are not going to make uh, deals for which each and every local space for each and every employee they have and located in this smaller small area. Uh, mm-hmm. So it means that indeed you need operators with um, a stronger back and uh, capacity to to scale up further at, at a rapid pace. And this all discussion will be about it. So and again, this is the hospitality industry and the accommodation industry is very inspiring because next to the branded breakfast and the Airbnbs, you have the big hotel brands and you have the franchise that are used to work with uh, traditional property owners. And, you know, there, there are a lot of different models that are there and that uh, uh, will likely be the ones that will help to structure the co-working market in the coming years. That's, that's how we expect it to happen. Well, and the good news is that the growth is going to be positively off the charts. So, and I know we agree on that. Um, so I want to totally shift gears and go to the very fun topic of Billion Dollar Loser, because the <laughs> first time I saw Adam Newman was at your conference. And he was, even though he was over Skype, he was so um, vivid. He was so tenacious. And I was like, oh, I got to steal that guy. So I did (laughs) and put him on stage at Juicy. And I was just really curious. I know you've read the book now. What did you think of the book? What did you learn about WeWork that surprised you? We we made an interview with uh, also um, the author, Reeves. Reeves, yeah, I did it as well. One thing that I was not uh, aware of, or not at that level, is the role of Miguel. I never met Miguel. And I figured out how important it was in 
to to in the back of to 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 make things happen in the back office. Yeah. And he was a guy who made things. I that was my perception. Made things happen to streamline everything in the process. And of course, you had Adam, who was, was big and live and <laughs> bragging. And, and but you remember we had the discussion about it because uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, we spoke about it. You see, and you met him. You went to New York. Mm-hmm. I, went, I went there too, and I was thinking about you know. We had discussion about having him in Brussels. It was they had nothing international at the time. It was still in the air, and um, um, everything he was claiming he would do, and we were laughing at. He did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I did get to meet Miguel, and he was basically the antithesis of the energy of Adam. He was like calm and like a gentle soul. And he was confident, but he wasn't bombastic, you know, and it was, it was, the dichotomy was so interesting. And I don't think Adam could have never done it without Miguel. Yeah. I think in the book, there was a moment when they say, yes, uh, Adam was uh, Steve Jobs and, uh, and Miguel was, was and that was the the duet that made things Mm -hmm. happen. I think it was, it's, it's pretty interesting. And you see that there is a pattern of, those big startup story again that you, you you find in WeWork, but also something something interesting is that uh, I, I think uh, uh, maybe you you saw that they were claiming they were profitable last uh, last week. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> so what a pity because at the end the, the business is sound. Uh, you know, basics is there. They've been inspiring a lot of people. We all know, despite you know um, the behaviors and, and sometimes the you know ethical you know actions which are really um, on the edge of what what you know could be conceived as something which was um, okay business wise but um, in general uh, we know that we can be also grateful to WeWork for having absolutely yeah. and in the highlight and likes and at the end of the day when you look at it it's it's still a very interesting company there have been a lot of they've brought a lot of inspiration for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, I know that some people hate WeWork, but when I'm in at a WeWork, I like to be there um, I know that people were not very well treated and, and, and were not counting the hours and I mean that was you know darker side of the story but at the end it's they believed in, the, in so- it and they, so Jean News, one thing I'm curious about is, you know, when I would go to a WeWork, the there were the small glass offices and they were crammed full of people. And now with COVID, how do you think they're adjusting? Are they just putting two people in instead of six? I guess they are just um, having this policy of putting less people in a room, than, but still have the same uh, check at the end of the month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, how are you profitable if you've just lost more, probably more than half of your capacity? So it's just curious to me. But we won't go through all that. I have another question for you that's one I love to just kind of roll around in my head and think about. And that is, and I, and I want to get your take on it. If Adam had not taken the soft bank money, would Adam and WeWork be in a better place today? Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the conclusions of the book as well. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. But you, saw, you see also that during, that's what, this, this was something I wasn't aware that they dramatically needed that money because they were saying, okay, the, the next step for us to go to, to IPO the company. And Adam was reluctant to that because he knew, of course, the profitability was not there and everything. So he was postponing everything. And then he met Masayoshi, Masayoshi, yeah, so mm-hmm. and it was like a new turn 
on the on the on the you know on the roller coaster that the, it was it was offered that, that yeah. drove it indeed in some places that was not you know bearable in the longer term for sure. Yeah, yeah. So switching gears again, you know, I know we've we've all heard like you know corporates are coming in, suburbans winning, people are going to be working at home and working at the office and working in other places. But what has COVID taught you about the future of work? Co-working or, or work? Uh, the future of work. But a lot of confirmations that you know you and I and so many millions of people we have been already working remotely. For, my team is, is in, has been in Spain for for ages, and I see them two or three times a year. And all of a sudden, you know, ninety percent of the population, the working population, figured out okay, it was possible. Even the schools, my kids are you know I, I, are on teams watching the teacher, you know, giving them the lessons. And I'm like, okay, it's not perfect. They still need, you know, to, to have more practice and, and change all the, what are the objective of this schooling at the end of the day. But this was the confirmation that it was, was possible. And it, it's at the end of the day delivering a lot of smartness, you know. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it will help us to become smart in how we manage things, how we put mm-hmm. priorities, how we, how we figure out how... how Say, um, oh, can we clearer about when do we really need to meet? So it yeah. has also a lot of impacts for the you know transportation issue, the sustainability of uh, our, uh, our model of life, mm-hmm. all those things that have been have been in the air for quite a while, but not that all of a sudden are, are, are something you can escape because that's that's the only way to keep being able to operate yeah. uh, in these in this circumstances. And um, so to me, to me, that's the fact that indeed this expectation we had is will become the norm. And there was a lot of implementation challenges that are coming up. But you, sa- you saw that overnight all, the, all these millions, tens of millions or billions of people could switch to that. You know, we have co-working India as well. So they experience exactly what we experience. No different, and 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 so hopefully, you know, there was this this idea that uh, the, the normality will won't be the same after the COVID crisis. Some people fear that yes, we could come back to the business as usual as as as, as before. I doubt it will be uh, will be the case. Honestly. There's no way. There's no way. And I think the thing I'm most happy about is, you know, I'm always on my soapbox about health and wellness is I feel like this is that catalyst that is finally going to wake up the world to the fact that we need to be providing better buildings, better air system, better lighting, better quality, so that those places where we do go to work aren't making us sick. Yeah, and and, uh, it's becoming also a very important um, recruitment argument for the the people. As an employer, if if you don't pay attention to this this dimension of okay, oh, will my day, my, my day work look like, and what will be my daily experience work? If you don't pay attention to that, you will you will lose the, your talents. You will be less profitable at the end of the day, less less efficient, less effective. So, and and I think I have the feeling that many many companies are aware of that now, and they, they don't overlook it at all anymore. It's more about. You know, once we are back to to, 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 to normal business, okay, um, and that you you have to hit your, your targets in terms of numbers, okay, will it be at, at the expense of this challenge that you need to, to face, which is more long term? I don't know, but I think even you know executives know 
I, I, it's maybe naive, but I think they also figure out that why why bothering and why killing myself, you know, walking so many hours just mm-hmm. and I, not not to even have time to spend my money. Yes, that's another thing. Or you with know? your family, you know. Yeah. I mean, people have realized that you know they need you that. People are still working from home. They keep having the salary of the lucky one, and 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 but they can spend it. Well, it's, it's on the bank account and. You can right. go to yeah. the world, you can go, you can travel. So why 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 are you working so hard just, just for you know, you can't only have 20, 24 hours a day in, in, in your daytime mm-hmm. and, and, and you have only one stomach. So Well, and I want to validate something you said. You know, pre-pandemic, according to the World Economic Forum, the number one thing that was the biggest problem for all CEOs globally was talent, attention, and retraction. And actually, with the introduction of AI, the need to have productive humans actually goes up, not down. So I'm with you on, you know, this this talent war is going to mean that we're going to get better places to work. Yeah, and also what we figure out, they've been, you know, World Economic Forum or some others, they've been uh, claiming that um, uh, social interaction, creativity, and, and so forth, where the... The skills that you would need in 2013, 2040, you know, they have this, this calendar of what would be the needs, most needed skills in mm-hmm. that uh, time, time range. And um, the fact that indeed emotional intelligence, social interaction, sales, you know, things like that are so important now for a company uh, in terms of the skills that they required from your employees. It comes back again to what we have been working on for such a long time. So the workplace is also a social environment that where you need to feel good, when you need to have those interactions. And if uh, and this is the, the main reason why you come to the office. You know, those companies who are asking their people to come one, one or twice a week to the office, mm-hmm. it's just for the meeting. It's just for yeah. keeping the culture. It's, if you need to be productive, you can stay at home. So it, it changes it changes a big deal. And, and um, that's another... We, we know there is still a lot of conservative organization. You know, I speak with, with a friend of mine and his, his employers is still struggling not to allow uh, homeworking because they, you know, it's still this rigid yeah. way to, to, to figure out what um, uh, the lack of trust to the people and uh, etc. But if, if your people are not working properly, it's maybe that you have an issue somewhere else. In the sense you give of your, uh, uh, the, the sense that your organization is giving to your people and uh, the transparency, transparency you have because people are maybe motivated because mm-hmm. they, they see that there is no equity in the, in the way people are treated in the company. You know, there are so many reasons why people yeah. become unproductive. And, um, and this is something that will likely also bring a lot more transparency uh, at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. better companies, better way to figure out, okay, where, where am I? You know? and right. If maybe, uh, uh, oh, this looks better there. I go there. And not because you believe it is, but because you can see it. Yeah. Well, Jean-Yves, once again, time has evaporated. Every time you and I get together and talk, it's like time just disappears. Um, But I do have one question left for you. And it's like that last kind of touchy-feely, off-the-wall question. And that question would be, if you could go back, what would you tell 12-year-old Jean-Yves? What would I tell? Self-confidence, I think. It's kind of... uh like like consensual way to say it but i think uh, like every you know when you are younger there are a lot of things like 
I would, I wish I had, you know, I, I do sooner with a little bit more self-confidence. You know, mm. and, and, and you say, yeah, it's, well, I, 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 I should have done that five years before, 10 years before. Yeah. Uh, and and you look, when you look back, you say, okay, oh, there were so many things I could have, I, I, I could look back and say, okay, I've done this already because I started sooner. I think that's, that would be, yeah, some, some, something in that, that trench. I go out, you know, meet new people, things like that. Don't wait to be older. Go yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Start now. Well, Janibs, this is going to come out the week of your conference. If you don't mind telling our folks if they'd like to tune in to Coworking Europe, how they can do that and what days Coworking Europe is happening this year. So it's on November 25, 26, and 27. And uh, all the information is on coworkingeurope.net. And uh, what we have changed as well, and I know you just is working with things similar, is that we try also to flip what the concept of a conference is. So we, of course, we have the big conference with all the, well, all the people gathering online at the same time with this, the flow of panels and everything. But the goal is that we keep the virtual venue open the whole year. So, and we will come with weekly events. So all Wednesday we'll come with new partners, with new topics, with new people, and we, you know, make an appointment to, to everybody who wants to join um, to have those mini events with replay. Uh, you know, things that uh, people have, uh, things that went live and people missed, they can always replay it. And um, so hopefully we we will have augmented the conference at the end of the day. And uh, if this is one of the positive. Um, you know, feedback that we, we can bring back from this uh, experience is that indeed we we might, we hope we will be augmented. <laughs> and working industry in Europe will be augmented as well. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. And a year's worth of content for one event is amazing. And I'm really looking forward to speaking as always. And you know, I will be in Vienna next year. So Janus, thanks again for your time and for all you do for our industry. You are an inspiration. Thank you very much, Liz. You are too. Thank you. Okay. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.